Welcome back to the Mechanical Freak Podcast, where we're freaking in the evening, freaking in the morning. Uh, I wish we were freaking in the morning. Why do we keep I recording wish. so late, guys? I'm so tired. Yeah, yeah I know. We're all I've been, working. I've been working since Saturday. Did I start Saturday? <laughs> Shit, man. I'm going to go through maybe Saturday. That might be like, God, no days off, man. No days off. Back to work. Yeah, Greg is tired. He's worked five days, guys. Five days. Hey, today, so if you could I try and imagine went that. Almost the whole um, ten hours, too. Okay. <laughs> oh. This is some oh, old testament wow. shit. <laughs> Working on Let the weekend like go. usual. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, I'm not cut out for this shit. Uh so Greg, uh, how's it going working on Dune 3? How's, um, how's Timothy Chalamet? Uh, little Timothy <laughs> is, uh, uh, you know, he's a sweet, he's a sweet little guy, he's short king. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's big on the inside. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, we don't want to get into debate over this, but uh, you guys have seen the no. Dune Two tra- trailer. Are we are I we going thumbs up, it. thumbs down? I haven't seen it. <laughs> fuck you guys i hate you guys so fucking much all right anyways thumbs thumbs down from me but i also didn't like dune one so you didn't like dune one okay nah it's boring uh yeah. the one from the 80s watch that one that one rocks yeah. all right uh <laughs> that Look, being said, one of the one of the triumphs of barbie is that uh greta gerwig kept it under two hours like, you know what? I, I actually, y- you know, Bryn saw it over the weekend, liked it so much that we went and used our Regal Pass and uh, watched it again. Uh, or she watched it again. And I watched it for the first time this week. And uh, it was funny. It's fine. It's a fine yeah. movie. It's funny. Like, this yeah, good it's jokes. You know, what are you And do? they didn't make a blockbuster three hours long. Like, you know, at a certain point, the bar is that low for me that I'm like, nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I wasn't like exhausted by the end of it. Yeah, uh, I didn't right. want to kill myself or anything <laughs> like that. Like it, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, well, speaking of things that didn't work, just like my Dune Two question. Um, hey guys, did you see Mitch McConnell <laughs> speaking <laughs> in front of the press today? Uh, Greg, uh, I, I think that you've not watched this yet. Maybe maybe you should click on the link okay, and give this a little watch real fast. What the fuck? What? Okay, so like, is he having a stroke? Like, what I don't get is in the one that I watched, like, how they don't like get medical help. Like, they just put him behind the podium and just stand him there. Like, either he's having a stroke or he pooped himself. Either way, he needs to be taken away, you know? So for anybody who hasn't watched this, uh, the the view we had or showed you, Greg, was like almost like from a camera phone. So it's like, it looks like kind of weirdly zoomed out. Uh, King Clevenstein had a view that was like almost right on Mitch McConnell's face. And essentially the Mitch McConnell bot broke down like he started to talk, got like halfway through his first sentence and then just stopped, and like shut down like a robot. <laughs> right and his eyes got like dead like you know like a dead animal looking forward and he just completely shut down and nobody knew what to do for a good like 20 seconds before everybody's like oh he's uh he's not coming back (laughs) (laughs) this is not a pregnant pause he might be dead (laughs) It's like when you like forget your lines in a speech, you know, and like you're you're trying to like do a dramatic pregnant pause to like, you know, to buy time to remember it <laughs> like this. Is, but it just never comes to you. <laughs> or is if you like forgot your lines of speech, but you just decided to pretend like you had a stroke. Right. Yeah. Like right there. Just go <laughs> just power down right on the. Well, and they try and they try and escort him off and he goes the wrong direction. There's a uh, uh, some I don't know who the fuck that is. Some woman in the Republican Party who's like blocking his way and is like, no, go the other direction. And the crazy part, though, is they take him into a back room apparently bring him out 15 minutes later and he's powered back up again. And it's like answering questions, which leads us to the question of like, what does our ruling class have? 
Like, what is the serum they're they're pumping into the cadavers that run this I mean, country? He's got so they've he's got a Doctor Feelgood, like you know, with got the syringe, right? You know, the, we got any anything you need. You got the whole pharmacy right there. I mean, yeah. The question is like. I think it's probably nothing super exotic. It's just that, like, this isn't the kind of medical care like regular people have, you know, with a doctor right there to give you the shot to continue governing <laughs> in the moment. You know? Wait, wait, hold on. Is this just what it's like if you could, like, yeah. see the doctor all the time? Like, <laughs> do you just feel better? Like, because I just feel bad all the time and it never gets better. So is there some sort of situation where if you have health care, see, you, you actually were focusing feel on, like, what happened after they took him into the back room that he came out and was better? But the question you should be asking is what happened that allowed like this breakdown in the first place? And it's just that like Mitch skipped his pills or his shot in the morning. He didn't report to the Senate like clinic to get his old, old person like brain juice shots <laughs> His like cocktail of Alzheimer's medications shots in the morning. And so he just stopped working at a certain <laughs> point and like they just re-upped him and he's fine, you know, because, yeah, they just have really good medical care, you know? Well, and the thing is, it's like, uh, you know, Moon, yeah, you, you're a bit of a young and I mean, me and Greg have been around for a little while, right? I swear to God, I don't remember a time like Reagan would have these moments where he just like yeah. powered down. But I don't remember a time where like literally every level of leadership in the country was at this level. Right? Where, like the head of every branch of government would just power down periodically in public, like halfway through talking would just go. And that would be it. Right. And, <laughs> and we'd all just accept that and be like, well, yeah, like, that's, well that's, uh, yeah. Good morning. Sunday morning. That's what people do sometimes. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have we have Joe Biden, we have Diane Feinstein, we yeah. have Mitch McConnell. <laughs> yeah, I, we're not allowed to hear them talk, but I feel like most of the Supreme Court we could probably yeah, put on this right, like right. level, right? You know, I, there was that person who's right that Clarence Thomas just sleeps through every case, right? <laughs> but like you know, like probably most of the Supreme Court just is like you know, um, yeah, it rocks. It's awesome. You love to see it. Someone said, uh, "This is this is when you smell the perfume of your 2019 switch situation ship. When you get a whiff of that, <laughs> <laughs> what was the one that you told me, Munia? Where someone's like, uh, it's like when you say, where's the yeah, hose yeah, at?' Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, me, where the hose at? <laughs> when, oh, me, when the hose actually there." <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know incredible yeah it's just amazing um you love to see it it's cool well, it's like we haven't Go even ahead. you know the people have been joking for like you know since the uh 2016 elections like or definitely in, since 2020 of like oh wow like our all our like uh the people who run our government are like much older than the soviet quote-unquote gerontocracy you know and it's like we're still like that record is being broken every day you know what i mean like yeah. every single day they're older than they were the day before and they they're gonna start la like we're lapping the soviets in in their their oldest oh, yeah, period yeah. of leadership you know well, and even with like Brezhnev and stuff, like Brezhnev just fell asleep. Like they were actively dying. Yeah, what was Brezhnev like sixty <laughs> three or something when he was last yeah. in office? He right, just, like he was just a narcoleptic. Yeah, he was just tired. Was, yeah, you know. Yeah, like, he was just tired. But like, uh, I honestly feel like that most times. Like I feel, I feel like I'm gonna fall asleep pretty much at any moment. So I actually identify with that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no i mean the thing is about the healthcare thing though is if that happened to any one of us like if we powered down like that that would be our last moment we'd be dead like because yeah. we, we're not getting the, the special shot or whatever we don't have a doctor on site to give us a special shot yeah for Bro. any one of us yeah that's our last moment right caught yeah. on film but that's Whereas for these guys, going out sad yeah these guys they get to relive that last moment just over and over and over <laughs> but it's not even that man it's like our last moment would have been 10 years ago okay like you only get to this point where you can be like 
up in front of people like in one of the most important offices in the land and shut down because you have this healthcare that like a regular person would have died 10 years earlier from whatever you have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Like you, you've reached, it's so hard for us to say, cause none of us have in per like in our personal lives ever seen anybody get to this point. Right. Yeah. So, right. It's, it's just, uh, it's alien. Well, uh, yeah, the McConnell bot. Look, it, it's it's great to live on an empire that's on the rise, right? You know, it's, it's fantastic. Um, it's inspiring, honestly. Really? Between yeah. d- between that and uh, Obama's interview saying, hey, you know, we can't really reduce the temperature, but what if we reduce it from uh, three degrees rising per year to, to two and three quarters a year, you know? Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to be clear, right? So for anybody who doesn't know what Moody is talking, talking about I didn't see this. our most cynical president <laughs> when asked in an interview about like uh well like what do you, you know, how do you talk with the young kids or whatever we just throw <laughs> a total softball obama just <laughs> un you know like nobody put this on him he just decided to bring it up it's like oh yeah when i talk to uh you know my daughter and her friends uh they're always asked to be like well, what about this climate change this is like a real emergency and i'm like look guys and I, and I said to her, well, or she asked me, what, what should I say to them? Right. And what I said to him is, and what I said to her is, look, um, we may not be able to cap temperature rise to two degrees centigrade. But here's the thing. If we work really hard, <laughs> we may be able to cap it at two and a half instead of three mm-hmm. or three instead of three and a half and he keeps bidding it up right which is total democrat <laughs> behavior he, like, he keeps bidding it up and bidding it up and he's like oh he's like and i just told them like that's that's a lot of people you save right there and it's like well that's crazy because he started at two and a half and ended up at like seven <laughs> and you killed about you know the earth's population in between <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't clear about what the kids thought about that. I, I think that they were probably not impressed. I mean, honestly, yeah, I mean, it, it, inspiring <laughs> stuff, so man. Incredible. The the instinct to bid it up, as you say, like just to compress it, to just like see, to just open his mind to the future. The instinct, like just rushing through him like a river, like like this is where we're going. Like like I'm just gonna skip all this. I'm just gonna lay it out like a vision. You know, he's like in a certain way a visionary of like (laughs) of Democrat incompetence of Democrat incompetence where you just and like you just give the game away over time. He's like, I can see he's I'm calling our shot right now. You know, (laughs) I mean, you're talking about the collapse of civilization like well before (laughs) three degrees, man. Like I I really like how. It's obvious, like, the rhetorical device he's using is basically saying, like, oh, I'm going to, like, tell you, like, the real truth, right? I'm not going to, like, sell you this pie in the sky thing, you know? I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna actually tell you something realistic and not just what you want to hear, right? <laughs> and, you know, yeah. which, which, is, which is, you know, this is a rhetorical tactic. I get that that's, like, you know, that, that can uh, connect with the public on some level. But uh, certainly the, did the way, yeah, uh, the way, yeah, <laughs> the way, the, the, um, didn't probably work with his uh, daughter and her uh, friends. Um, did not really work with us at all because he kept on like bidding it up and like making yeah, yeah. it this like you know like technocratic simulation when we're we're talking about the apocalypse here, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's like you know we either fi- you know we either fix this or we don't, dude. Right? Yeah. Like so, and it sounds like we're not, <laughs> and that's just like our vision. Well, that was the funny part. It's like because the interviewer is not talking to him at any point. This is just an internal dialogue he's having. No, no, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. And it's so funny that you know you're totally right, video. The sense that he's like oh, I'm going to take my position as the speaker of hard truths, right? But that, like, hits one way when you're like, look, uh, the hard truth is you can't go partying this weekend because you need to make sure you have money for rent, right? Like, (laughs) you know, I know you want to do that, but you got to make sure you have money for rent. But when you're talking about, like, the apocalypse, you're like, hey, guys, look (laughs) it. The apocalypse is going to happen, all right? Because we're just not going to do anything (laughs) about it. Uh, So think about this what if it's uh the apocalypse in this way as opposed to this way and it's like yeah i don't think anybody's interested in that series of options yeah i mean it's like what if we all die in one way versus another this is the democrats man 
like just a series of bad <laughs> options and then they want you to fucking thank them when it's like and it can be worse you know but as long as but as long as they in their minds all they have to do is offer you like two bad options and you have to pick the better one the slightly less bad one so it's yeah. like that's why they feel like they can run whoever they want they can run hillary clinton because well you can't vote for trump you know this is yeah, like yeah yeah well, and I understand that by the very method of the sort of logic chain that Obama's laid out, where he starts at like two and a half and then goes to three and a half and then goes <laughs> to, that, like when people hear that, they kind of instinctively know too that, oh no, we're getting the worst possible option, right? Like, <laughs> which was like the complaint that people had about Hillary is like, uh, yeah, Trump's bad, but like no matter what we choose, we're getting the worst possible option here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the direction. The directionality is into a fucking grave, right? And like, there's and there's total agreement on that between both parties. Like, we're going off the cliff. We're all gonna die. <laughs> like, we just accept that off the beginning. Like, this is a death train. All right. Now, uh, what kind of meal would you like to have? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't think that Molly and her friends were probably thrilled about that situation. Yeah, I don't think you gave too much. You didn't give much feedback on what they said on that. I'd be kind of curious, actually, uh, assuming this conversation actually happened. Now, speaking of conversations that never actually happened, um, guys, our best friend, our new best friend, uh, David Velotsko, oh, was back I in love the news him, guys. Today. Oh, man. It's so, it's you know, the speed at which he's able to, like, get back out there is inspiring, you know? like to just like get on his grind but like it makes me miss him all the more like he, he was ours we had him here in our city in our yeah. shitty newspaper and now like he belongs to everybody i guess he's a free agent yeah uh like so many star players uh randy johnson uh you know additional mariners fucking a rod traded away you know A-Rod, like, right you know we just let him go oh. you know yep uh, and David, he's Ugh, no different. Painful. And he left us and he went to Barry Weiss's blog, the free press to let us know, uh, you know, really how bad we fucked up. Right. So he wrote an article for Barry Weiss called, and, uh, I just want to get y'all's take on this title real fast. My family was hunted by Nazis, but I was fired for defending Hitler. <laughs> 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 so, so so first off what do you guys think about the title i mean Good. I, thumbs up thumbs down yeah, where are we at you, on the title you gotta hand it to him i mean like first of all the, the predictability i mean we should take a moment to say we we absolutely called this would be his next oh, like move becoming yeah. one of the anointed canceled and like joining the club but like what a hit out of the what out of the gate like he he's so good he's so good I I got caught defending Hitler is all I heard in that <laughs> headline of his, you know? Are they is someone fucking with him? Like presumably on a blog like that he wrote his own headline, right? Like Oh sure. This this is, is there problem. like is there an editor in chief at a blog? No, like isn't the no. whole point of a blog like that you can like create your own headlines and like not worry about like other people Barry <laughs> is the editor. All right. So, so, like, not a lot of work's getting done there, right? Everyone's yeah. allowed to do whatever they want, right? And so, so yeah. This is the right. power of being at some place like the Seattle Times, where even at the shitty Seattle Times, they would have looked at that and been like, oh, don't use that. Yeah. Like, like, well, how about, like you understand? You're quoting yourself. <laughs> for yeah, you're you're right. quoting yourself defending Hitler. You're doing that. Mm hmm. Yeah, in it's a like, headline. I don't think people print. got sympathy. Yeah, can we like have a more sympathetic headline? Maybe like let's workshop this a little bit. And it makes you sound more heinous when you're like, "My family was hunted by Nazis." Also, I defend Hitler. Like that's like a that's just a more yeah, heinous yeah, right. like position to be in from the beginning. It's like so you have per you have like familial experience with this, and you still defended Hitler. Like that's how committed like, I What's am your point to... there, man? Uh, yeah. my like uh, hobbyist Nazism <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> alright so uh, uh, to get into uh, this a little bit so the article is uh, too long right needs an editor 
Uh, he mostly just recaps his previous uh, article for the Seattle Times and and just rehashes his argument, which uh, hilariously uh, he essentially just goes back to defending Hitler. He's like, look, uh, I should have been clear, like <laughs> Hitler killed more people. So it does make him more evil. And then he spends the next three paragraphs going, but also the Soviets killed more people than Hitler. So it's really not that bad. And it's like, well, I think we're getting to your point, David. Um, this is what people's criticism might have been. But I just want to read some paragraphs from it that I think are You're gonna read just it, funny. Uh, cause tell us about his his Ukrainian Jewish family that was persecuted by the Nazis. That's what you're going to tell us about? <laughs> oh, totally, totally. Uh, now I'm going to read some more, some paragraphs that are more about David, because uh, as we talked about, he's using his family as like human shields around him. I'm not super interested in that, but I am interested in what David thinks about things. And uh, so, David, he begins by letting us know, if you want to hear a story about the intolerance in our country's, quote, most tolerant city and the erosion of civil discourse in American life. Who's he quoting? Read on. I know. Who calls Seattle the most tolerant city? Also, um, like, that, but that also is such like, a fucking uh, tell also, because, like, tolerance hasn't meant what he thinks it means in American political discourse, like among liberals since the 1960s. Um, it's only, <laughs> it's exclusively a right wing, uh, like, uh, you know, hypocrisy baiting thing. That's the only time you don't like tolerance is not what anyone is after in, <laughs> like liberal or let's say anti-racist or you know any anyone who's not an asshole in america isn't really after tolerance or or really uh jazzed about tolerance or really gonna pat you on the back or congratulate you for being <laughs> tolerant because yeah. tolerance implies uh like restraint of something okay as in like tolerant being tolerant of other races you know is is the use in lib liberal discourse <laughs> yeah. in well as late like, as the I 60s hate, well it's yes. like i hate other races I'm but i will not act on it yeah. but uh, you i'm know, polite but yeah. or, i'm civil or, or it's not even that it's like uh, again the liberal usage of it in the 60s was in the civil rights movement was like and a a kind of racism where oh look this is America. We all know, as we do, as all Americans believe to this day, race is a real thing. Uh, the races are different. Um, <laughs> but, but distinct <laughs> objective qualities. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we can all learn to be tolerant of those differences. Yeah. You know? Right. And like, we can coexist with the different, like, you know, with different, mm. fundamentally different people who and, have different abilities. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's kind of that meaning that he's taking on and like of course i'm connecting it to you know race tolerance and the civil rights movement and i think he would say well i'm just talking about ideas you know and it's like it's still <laughs> a tell this is like this is a right wing uh framing you know it's like who, who cares about to to who who says seattle is the most tolerant city and on what on what like basis what on what grounds yeah, tolerating what you're just talking about ideas what does that even mean who tolerates ideas in america who's like proud of tolerating ideas except some fucking dorks like like this like no <laughs> we hate you because well, you're a weird creep like and so does well, everybody Greg, else you're implying that there's some sort of right-wing uh dog whistle happening here and yeah, i want exactly. you to know you you couldn't be more wrong and i'm gonna read you uh, this part right in the intro, it's about his coming to Seattle, guys. I want to I want you to read this. I'm going to read this soon. I want I want to hear y'all's uh, thoughts here. So about one year later, this is after he did some bullshit. He goes to all his credentials. Who cares? Having recently moved to rural Georgia from my wife's native Peru. See, I married a brown person. Mm -hmm. I received. Oh, sure he, sure I, he did. I got. I got black mm -hmm. friends. I received a job offer from the Seattle <laughs> it's, Times. It's just like his Tim talking about his family in the other one. It's amazing. Right? You know? It's like, well, to an no American, he's ever used other people as a shield in front of them. That's for sure. And he's <laughs> relying on, you know, without going into it, he's relying on um, American, like, basically, like, basically racist ignorance yeah. to picture yeah. a Peruvian, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And I can picture his Peruvian wife. 
<laughs> I'm picturing her right now. No, no. <laughs> All right. I received a job offer from the Seattle Times to be an editorial board member and columnist. Our entire family had moved to Georgia together, including my parents, my brother, and his wife. So it was a tough call. But after consideration, we sold our house. My wife and baby daughter flew to Seattle. I drove the moving truck. Well, congrats, dickhead. I knew Seattle only by reputation. The great outdoors of the Pacific Northwest. A vibrant Asian community. A strong Latino community, too. Where? What? So our daughter could grow up with Spanish-speaking friends. Once again. What the uh, fuck are you talking about? What? I mean, uh, what? <laughs> there are... I, Look, there's it's an international city, and certainly Washington State has a lot of has a large Latino community. But um, you know, it's not like you can yeah. go to like a, a school that has like primarily Spanish speaking people, like in the city of Seattle or yeah. something. He probably well, even not like, LA, you know, yeah, it's exactly. not San Diego. Yeah, exactly. There are places you can go in this country, certainly in Washington State, even. But like, yeah, well, no, yeah. like a lot of like Central and Eastern Washington. Um, you know, has that like you know Sunnyside, Yakima, yeah, yeah. you know, like a, a lot yeah, of places. Like you say, like Los that. Angeles is a Mexican city. Los Angeles, you know, like, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, yeah, places that might have historically been Mexico. Been Mexico. Time, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, but yeah, uh, you know, we bring this up a lot on the show. But uh, this is like one. Of the, this is like the whitest major city in America. <laughs> like, uh, like when I have friends visit for the first time this is always a conversation we have to have it's which is like jarring yeah they, yeah because it is if you've ever lived anywhere else in america it is shocking how white seattle is it's almost america, like scandalous yeah yeah because america is actually not this white like yeah you know it, it varies, yeah. it, it's like not this white right so like it is generally shocking to people when they come here. And it's kind of hard to believe a guy who grew up in Georgia would come to Seattle and be like, it's so diverse. Like, damn. <laughs> I grew up in the South. That's not the opinion and I have. When I'm I moved sorry. Here. I'll tell but, you that. But, yeah. um, He's never a, seen a Chinese person in his life, maybe. Maybe that's. Well, I think that's what he means is like, yeah. I saw an Asian person for the first yeah, time. Yeah. But it's like, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, also, it's funny that a conservative writer, um, his idea of a reputation of Seattle was like those really, you know, nice things like that are from oh, okay. like the well, Seattle PR. Yeah. I mean, like this, I this mean, is uh, where you're so wrong. You, you know, you guys are both saying this guy's conservative, but he's going to set you straight. Right. So you uh, <laughs> like that it had this vibrant, diverse community. He also liked that it had residents who routinely approved tax hikes to ensure those in need of help received it. We cover that on the show all the time. Everybody yeah, needs help those, here is getting all help. That it's doing great. Goes uh -huh. yeah. yeah, we're all doing great. Uh, I should mention that our politics fit the bill. And here's where you guys are about to eat some crow. <laughs> I am a democratic socialist. And my wife <laughs> Hell is yes. a, and my wife oh, is a DI yes. trainer. Yes. Oh, oh yes. my God. Yes. Oh, uh, my, yeah. my wife is the author of White Fragility. Have you heard of it? I mean, dude, she already lived here. So <laughs> suffice it to say, the city felt like a great fit. Oh, good. It's a, it's a good story. Oh, wait, no, there's more to it. The job was rewarding. From the first day, I found myself reporting on the protection of orcas and efforts to improve the level of civil discourse in Congress. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is a parody. When, when Pride Month came, my family proudly marched with the Seattle Times. <laughs> Historic friend of the gays. Wow. Wow. You had to come to Seattle to march in a pride parade or... Uh, complain about the civility of discourse in in some legislature somewhere <laughs> wow wow real yeah. wow that's some real real local issues i wonder where the seattle times was on closing uh parks at night in the 1980s to keep the gays out i <laughs> I, I just wonder what that editorial position was at the time <laughs> yeah real real fucking mystery when pride month came my family okay we proudly marched the others what a beautiful new <laughs> What a beautiful new home, I thought to myself. How inclusive. How tolerant. How <laughs> naive. <laughs> oh, guys. So much for the tolerant left. 
Am I right? <sighs> so, my guy, so you true. wrote the article, dude. You wrote a <laughs> you fucking article. This. You did this. Like your job. This is what like this is this is the oldest take in the world. But like your job is columnist. Write <laughs> opinions that people are interested in hearing on some level. If you suck at that job so bad that you get run out of town on a rail, you played yourself, man. Like <laughs> you did this. Now, of course, we're being where this is all fucking bait because, like, as make is made very clear by him appearing in this, as predicted, as we said at the time, this was his fucking plan. And Seattle's a perfect place, right? Because when he's what he's doing, when he's saying, oh, tolerant Seattle, what he's this is all dog whistle. This is all right wing dog whistle to the rest of the country who thinks of Seattle now as the Antifa like socialist hellhole. Right. The place that burned down half their city and murdered all their cops. Right. Like and he's he's, you know, keeping his powder dry on all that. But he's really signaling. Like. To everybody, look, I came and Seattle happened to me. That's this this big the boogeyman city that you know and hate. Like I came and tried, you know, and here I am. So and and he's the, the perfect man. He's like, oh, I'm I have to make my turn. I have to leave the left because of what they did to me. You know, like I was, oh, I was man, I was <laughs> I, I was a good like new left uh, you know uh anti-stalinist uh guy you know and democratic socialist but like you know now i don't know man like the left's just too left for me too intolerant intolerant that thing (laughs) tolerance that thing leftists (laughs) and socialists talk about in 2023 you fucking loser (laughs) yeah exactly uh hey guys uh intolerant left uh just because i keep talking about how hitler wasn't so bad you go try and come at me that's bullshit (laughs) well he goes on to restate his opinion about how hitler actually wasn't that bad after specifically saying look that wasn't the argument i make then he spends about six paragraphs making (laughs) here's what i actually meant Uh, but again, who cares? That's all just the same boring right wing shit that people have been hearing for years. Let's get no to some, Brian. Get... He's a democratic socialist. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, right I forgot. All right, when Stop. somebody tells you that, you have to take them at their word. Yeah, you have yeah. to be like, okay. Or you, you have, have to, to give say, a shit. Yeah, how yeah, people, you have like, to identify people. You have yeah. to like, you yeah, you have to take seriously anybody's like pronounced self ID and, and, and not yeah. uh, and then from that extrapolate that what you think about their shitty uh op-ed columns yeah yeah exactly like i have to give you the benefit of the doubt and really actually feel bad for for taking a shit on you online because (laughs) you tell me you're some kind of socialist get fucked yeah yeah uh well definitely nobody could ever be wrong about that or lying so those are two things you can never consider. Also, All right, no, he's about to, it, it, you know, he fact. says Seattle yeah. is tolerant. Does he does he use the phrase tolerant left anywhere? Because that's all that's the even bigger tell that he's never been to any kind. He's never been part of any kind of left organization or discourse ever in his life or even read about uh, them, the history of them, Like, because there's I, never I, been I, a tolerant left in history. I think that he, uh, imagine getting like, uh, you know, you're the king of France getting beheaded and just being like, so much for the tolerant left. <laughs> no, I, I think he he understands memes. Now he's online enough. He knows that you can't say tolerant left anywhere. It's too much of a punchline. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so he, he doesn't put those two words together. But I mean, that's that's the point he's making, obviously. All right, so we skip past this boring rehash of you know his argument why Hitler's not so bad. Uh, Let's get to some more actual meat here. So this is discussing his actual firing, which is pretty funny. All right. I have been targeted by tankies and neo-Nazis on Twitter before, but this felt different. More widespread. Involved Greg, so he's more Who is this for, dude? Like, who <laughs> know, who right? is it's reading this and knows fair. what, like, a tanky is, dude? Like, oh, you're d- like... Well, okay, to be fair... He links to Wikipedia, so we're okay. Well, to be fair, hang on. You know, it's funny when, like, liberals or the right 
used started using tanky, especially liberals, right? Because it's a ludicrous concept, mm-hmm. right? But actually, as a socialist, like as a as a you know a new left type uh, socialist of some kind, like that's really you know should be in his uh, rightly in his ah, lexicon. Yes, you know? yes, yeah. So very true. So I said. All right. Uh, it also seemed a number of my Seattle-based critics were using my words to go after the editorial board, which is viewed by some as overly conservative. All right. Keep on, that's a fringe view that the Seattle Times editorial board is conservative. A University of Washington professor told me he doesn't link to this, so we could all speculate about who this was. After I mentioned I was on the board and writing my first column about the Lenin statue, quote, I certainly loathe the editorials, citing their, quote, arch conservative and often Trumpist line. Yeah, where's the lie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I all true. Reject- yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like your professor from is correct. I reject his criticism. By the way, I like this. My University of Washington friend who's presumably been reading the Seattle Times for a long time, right? It's like, his, his opinion's stupid. My opinion that I learned from the guys <laughs> who hired me, the meeting we had drinking and talking about how much we love Hitler, is that they're actually pretty cool. <laughs> I reject his criticism. I sat on the board. I was part of its arguments and conversations. I went Hitler to the versus Himmler. I yeah. saw Hitler's <laughs> China. <laughs> <laughs> Board members thought deeply. I mean, that's honestly the funniest joke in the whole okay, thing. Come on. What does that have? To, I mean, this is so fucking lazy. Shit. Yeah. We're talking. This is politics. Like whatever your politics are like, these are we're talking about contested like issues of life and death no. and power. OK, like grow up, you fucking loser. Like, but also our entire podcast is built off the fact that uh, the members of the Seattle Times editorial board do not think deeply about anything. If they did, we wouldn't have any content. Well, if they did, what makes the show so easy is they never think about anything. Yeah. (laughs) So they thought deeply and were open to new ideas and counter arguments. Evidence needed. Uh, These were thoughtful people. And I imagine that they often unfairly mischaracterized by ideologues. I mean, not him, right? The, the, the surely new stand ideas by me. that they were open to was like, <laughs> Hitler had a point? Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> then they all what pat again? themselves on the back going, gosh, we're so reasonable. Yeah, this well, is that, nuance. That is like, uh, everybody who disagrees with me is an ideologue. Not me, though. Not me. <laughs> not me. The man obsessed <laughs> with a lifetime obsession with the Soviet Union from which I built my entire personality, career, uh, academic studies, fucking mm-hmm. uh, my entire worldview uh, from my... Uh, Off my, like a my, John my, my Birch object- tract. <laughs> well, yeah, or, you know, apparently from his, his grandpa's knee. Like, no, I don't have any ideology, right? I just have all this received obsession about the Soviet Union from grandpappy. So, uh, so he thought they would surely stand by him as he was being smeared. Let's see what happens. Six days after my piece was published, I was relieved when my boss told me she had reviewed the Twitter conversation and concluded I had obviously not defended Hitler. Oh, case closed. I was told (laughs) the company had my back. I was told the paper would not stand for a lying Twitter mob coming after one of its own. One of its own? Nobody's claiming this guy. But then... Just a few hours later, my boss called me and told me I was fired. Owned. Uh, the official reason for firing me was, quote, poor judgment and, quote, continuing to engage online. <laughs> I shouldn't have, quote, unquote, engaged. But I admit it was hard not to defend my family against the baseless accusation that they were Nazis who had killed more than 10,000 Jews. Okay, mm. my, my <laughs> does it seem my, confusing that whole that sentence, uh, line yeah. of argument? What does that, that even that sentence again? It's the my my family uh, didn't kill ten thousand Jews. T-shirt is you know provoking <laughs> some questions already answered by my T-shirt. Like ah, uh, 
He's really got away with the, words. The phrasing on that saying, was wild, like, man. <laughs> like you didn't That's have crazy to say phrasing. it. You didn't have to put the sentence right in a way that sounded like it was your family who literally killed ten thousand Jews. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, to be clear, I mean, for as much as is like, uh, I'm just an honest uh, broker here. Um, nobody was telling him that. <laughs> Like, everyone's telling him you're playing down of the Holocaust and Nazi war crimes is a way of denying the Holocaust that's well understood and known to be a right wing tactic for decades now. Yeah. Um, and that you're just playing a playbook that's well understood because you're not the first person to play it. Your person 10,000, you know, something to play it uh, decades down the road. Your yeah, I mean, to be all, fair, we all see it. There were people online asking the question like oh yeah. your, your grandpa's like, story O-U-N. sounds weird and it it sounds uh, like certain types of people who were ukrainian nazis <laughs> you know yeah and you won't give us the details so just you know that people were uh pointing out that pointing that out <laughs> that some suspicions were being awoken by his t-shirt yeah um, exactly yeah yeah, and I and I will say, like, I mean, this is one of my favorite newspaper guy or journalist guy type uh, gambits here, which is when they get fired for doing something incredibly stupid to act as if they're the first person that's ever been fired from a job ever. And then to come to the public and be like, yeah. I was fired. Me. <laughs> if this happened to me, this could happen to you. Like, you could just get fired from your job for no reason. And it's like, yeah, we live in America, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you embarrassed the company you work for as a public face for it. Like, that actually kind of makes sense that they fired you. Right. Being, and you're not, it's, it's like, not like you you work in the warehouse. Like, you're, yeah. a, you're a mouthpiece of the company. You were hired to be on the editorial board. Yeah. So once you've embarrassed them once, having you around for a single second longer just accrues the embarrassment no matter what you do for the rest of your life yeah your job is essentially not to embarrass the seattle times you failed at your job and they fired you it's like buddy wait till you hear about what people get fired for in the real world (laughs) you know again people who've never spent a single second of life caring about people's work conditions or the arbitrary nature of employment in the countries they live in the second they get fired from their make work bullshit job because they're too stupid to hold on to the world's easiest job are like could you believe this oh my (laughs) god my (laughs) pearls (laughs) it's incredible shit is incredible all right so now we need to get to the point of self-reflection all right so we we figured out how he got here we figured out how he got fired it's time to self-reflect i have many defenders especially within journalism they're just out of frame (laughs) 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 i mean honestly given the two names he's about to drop he'd be better off just not mentioning uh, and just saying they are just out of frame uh, the paper's Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, Dominic Gates, expressed his anger in a since-deleted Twitter post saying I did not deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, your big defender <laughs> deleted his tweet. Wow, yeah, you like, have many... That's, this is of the many defenders that you could have chosen to reprint here. The guy who decided better decided better of his decision to defend you. Okay. <laughs> Many defenders. Yeah. Well-known idiot and Pulitzer Prize winner, Dominic Gates, who, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about, really, we mentioned his tweet on last week's Patreon. Lowering the value of the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, all right. Hey, now, I this mean, one... David Horsey's pulled in all the other uh, Seattle Times Pulitzers, so, oh, you know. that's true. Uh, This one's for all the uh, NPR Weekend Review heads right here. The paper's former political editor, Joni Balter, speaking on Seattle's NPR member station, KUOW, said the decision was an overreaction and that, quote, I deserved another shot. (laughs) Again, like, that's not a very ring. uh, Really? That's his. That's what he's got. Joni Balter. This is sad. Someone who was also like put out to pasture from the seattle times ed board 
um, well, and it's years on ago. KUOW. She's on Weekend Review as the voice of the right wing. As in the Seattle. right, like that's her exactly. position. She was. Like, this was her. Yeah. That's all. Yes, that's always yeah, yeah. been. She is a right winger. Okay, this is a Republican. Okay, yeah, a Republican. And and all she had to say that you are printing here in this blog <laughs> is eh, he should have had another shot. <laughs> but again, she's wrong because again, as he's not, he doesn't work in the fucking warehouse. He's his job was at editorial board. Like you he, to to once you've embarrassed, it doesn't matter at all. Like the embarrassment continues because they're saying, you know, like. They that is an endorsement of his bullshit. If they just keep him, they have to get rid of him. It's not like a regular job. This is the, like what you're saying. Like, yeah. yes, it's not that. It's this is more justifiable. You're firing than almost anybody who's ever been fired from a job ever, because <laughs> your job is to have opinions people want to hear, and basically, usually that means really milk toast like opinions yeah. that basically well, just well, don't embarrass the paper. Yeah, don't embarrass the paper, don't embarrass the advertisers. Those are your two jobs. And you fucked it up. <laughs> and, and we're talking about, like, not embarrassing, like, a family that literally has gills behind their ears and, like, lives and sleeps in a sewer. Like, and you, you, <laughs> they fired you. The Blevins <laughs> fired you, dude. And all, your only defenders is someone who is now not defending you. Maybe when he maybe <laughs> immediately he, jumped ship I was like no thanks I'm off maybe like, because he, someone filled him in that uh, certain assumptions he made in that tweet may not be the case. Um, anyway, uh, and Joni Balter, a who a crank with a a right wing Republican Trumpist crank who didn't <laughs> even really defend you, just who said, said... <laughs> just actually def- uh took the opportunity to uh, cast aspersions on her old, her ex-employer for firing. So she, she took the opportunity to get on the, like, Oh, the, the intolerant Seattle times like fired him when he should be given another chance. That's not actually defending you, dude. That's just like, that's a, a tacit admission. Yeah. Almost. Right. If you're saying he deserves another chance, that means that he fucked up. Yes. Right? Yeah, like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He fucked up. This yeah. man is but very stupid. But also patting him on the head and said, "Put him back in, coach." You know, yeah, like, right. that's, that's boys a will good be boys. Munya, she's yeah, like <laughs> she's just what saying this say? time shouldn't have fired him. Not that he's not a fucking idiot. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is for Jody Balter, who's like an arch conservative. I mean, she did work at the Times for a long time, and she has her for little like spot at KUOW that everybody finds her completely obnoxious in. But the thing is, like, she's able to, to maintain all that because she doesn't do what this. David did. Yeah, yeah, right. She doesn't embarrass herself and everybody else publicly. Well, she's not, she's she not on her grind. She doesn't have that dog in yeah. her. Okay, because this is what he, I mean. She's got a. She has a fucking. She's set up, man. She had a cake gig at a newspaper when the money was good for fucking probably decades. Now she's got, you know, her her little side gig on the weekend at KOW in her retirement. She's doing fucking fine. She probably owns like a $3 million house that she bought for like 25 grand or something in the 70s <laughs> uh, on like in, in Madrona or some shit or in, the, or in the suburbs or on fucking Bainbridge. So like she doesn't need to like make a new career this guy's going like no i'm i'm doing it i'm i'm gonna he's been he this guy's been studying the playbook okay because like he is ticking <laughs> he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna reinvent myself as a democratic socialist i'm gonna go to seattle the belly of the beast and i'm gonna get my ass canceled and it's gonna be the perfect fuck and man you gotta hand it to him <laughs> all right so he goes on i considered going silent hoping one day to find work again once my 15 minutes of infamy had passed and my reputation as the unhirable Hitler guy had faded. Again, maybe don't keep bringing that <laughs> Why up. Why do you just keep phrasing it just this way? Say, just a kick, 
Quick tip. Quick tip. I unhirable. I have Hitler a reputation guy. as the unhirable Hitler guy. Is what you just put <laughs> in print. You. There are other ways to yeah. to make denials and denunciations. Uh, and yeah. like, like, oh my god! It this is a strange comfort with being the Hitler guy. I got again. Say. Like, it's a, you know because it he. This is all dog whistle, right? Every bit yep. of this, he is saying, "I'm, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the Hitler unhirable guy. Hitler guy." He's that's why he's phrasing it this way. Okay. Yep. Well, staying silent won't help me pay my <laughs> pay rent and childcare, or salvage my ability to continue doing journalistic work. It also won't repair my good name or provide me with a clean Google search. What kind of journalist would I be? Employed. Yeah. What kind of journalist would I be if fear made me shy away from discussing my experience of viciousness masquerading as social justice? Well, you'd be the kind who still had a job at the Seattle Times Ed Board. Like if you'd just <laughs> yeah. written that dog shit article and not tweeted about Hitler a bunch or like then engaged when people were like, um, so interesting thoughts you have about Hitler. Uh, if he had just written the article, the dog whistle would have gone like heard by plenty of people like the uh, the flippers would have been flapping in that sewer like but like yeah. that he'd still have the job again. Well, this I think was it's like plan. in the in the 50s and 60s, this was like conservatives problem at groups like the John Birch Society and stuff like that, which they'd always be like, look, guys, um, look, we agree with everything you're saying. Everything you're saying is correct, right? But when you start saying, look, when you start saying Hitler was right and stuff like that, it scares people off. And we need you guys to shut the fuck up and go away, right? And essentially, David's at that same spot. It's like, look, nobody nobody that you're being hired by at the Seattle Times or Joni Balter, these people are disagreeing with you. What they're saying is when you start saying Hitler might have been right, you're scaring normal people away and we're trying to trick them, not scare them. All right. So maybe shut the fuck up about that. Uh, he can't though, because it's an obsession, right? Anti-communism and pro-fascism are the same side of the same coin, right? Like they cannot like, they can't let it go. Yeah. I mean, that's the existence of fascism. I mean, that's like, it's so inextricably, you know, linked uh, fascism mm -hmm. is to anti-communism and i think that's it, it's i think if you talk to anyone really who's not in america that might actually sound so like why are we even saying that but like i feel like you know fascism and anti-communism or you know the relation between the two it, it kind of exposes uh kind of a dark contradiction about what we're you know taught in America yeah. because uh, and why mm -hmm. we got involved in like World War II in the first place because it's the uncomfortable truth is that you know we were you know fascism was an answer uh, to uh, communism right it was capital it was it was capital's answer to um, you know communism in a lot of ways right and it mm -hmm. was like uh, you know the west way to um, to stamp out like Soviet communism uh, was like a fascist movement and that's like the core, the core pillar of that is anti-communism. So you can't separate those two things at all, right? Like mm -hmm. fascism's existence is for this for the purpose of, you know, uh, crushing communism in general. Yeah, I, historically that, and today. Yeah, that's the core of the ideology. I mean, if you go and like look through Hitler's Mein Kampf or like look at Nazi propaganda, right? Like even the hatred of Jews is because, of course, the Jews created Marxism. Right, you know, yeah, like, no, I mean, it's know, like they like, link Jews with education and like you know, and like how they're all Marxists, right? It's like yeah. it's not, and I feel like the whole narrative of just like oh, they they they're just uh evil for no reason for just randomly, you know, it's like yeah. it's a it's all all of this yes. and tied to anti communism. Yes, yeah, so even like the the racial schemas are essentially just anti communism in the end, right? Now, uh, you know, because this is a world that like normal people, when you try and explain it to them, are going to look at you like, what the fuck are you talking about? Conservatives create this sort of fun house that people exist in. Right. So part of it, right, is, you know, this viciousness masquerading as social justice. And it's like, 
to live in America and call being, you know, made fun of on Twitter vicious, right? It's like, we live in a country that's like a mass shooting every week. What are you talking about? Like, we imprison more, we have more people in cages than any civilization's ever done in like the history of time, right? There was a, a loving article in BuzzFeed this week, a feel good article about how two migrants kept in fucking dog kennels on the U.S. Mexico border were able to find love with one another while in their kennels. It's Damn, like, it's disgusting. Like, this is a vicious country. Being made fun of on Twitter is hardly the you know the most of it or whatever. But also, at one point in the article, he does mention the problem with America is that nobody in America is taught that like Hitler and Mao were bad. And it's like, that's all anybody in America's taught. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yes, I love I, I remember going to American public school where they began with, hey, guys, you know, what's cool. The Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's the uh, that's the society oh, we should all aim to be. Yeah, right? America. You know, what, the, what are you the, talking about? The country like, where it's the only thing anybody knows. <laughs> gosh, for our entire lives. And I assume before, like so, so much of so many of our institutions of media, education, governance have had so many great things to say about red china yeah exactly, just right? turn yeah. on the news just turn on the news in america and like oh singing singing g's praises we're always loving china too much in or, this country that's what i've that's what i've always thought or go go to go to play yeah to see what uh <laughs> see what musical number is on <laughs> i'm sure uh i'm sure the chinese themed uh you know plays yeah. or whatever the hell uh, yeah, the Falun is. Gong, uh yeah. whatever fucking bullshit china before thing. communism yeah yeah it's like the absurdities that you can get away with uh you know just preaching anti-communism in america is hysterical you know um all right what should it? What would it say about my devotion to injustice if I remain silent when it is visited upon my family? By the way, devotion to injustice—he just means his own fire. Right? Like <laughs> my devotion to injustice is basically self-interest, <laughs> pure, unadulterated self. The first thing he said was like, "How would my silence help me pay my bills?" You know? Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, this is not an abstract problem. I am now jobless, living in downtown Seattle, which is costly and unable to help support my family, including my baby daughter. We can no longer afford our apartment, but neither can we afford the fee to break our lease. And unable, this actually kind of unable to help support, not able to mm-hmm. support my family, but help support. As in, yeah, my masculinity is threatened. Out. But like, we're not actually going to be evicted. Well, and I guess the thing that this for all the things he said here, most of it was like predictable and silly and stupid. This one I have to admit kind of irritated me a little in the sense that there's lots of people in Seattle who, because of our shitty employment system and because of capitalism, can't afford to live in their housing and are stuck in these kind of I mean, really impossible situations between needing to get out of the housing they're in and into new housing and all this stuff. People are actually struggling, right? And it's interesting that David never cared to talk about any of that shit, right? But now it's a problem that's happening to him, you know, in theory, right? Uh, you know, it's just, uh, I, I think it's just the emptiness of all of this, I guess, is my would be my complaint there. That you could come to a city like Seattle, a city as rich as Seattle, and see you know the homelessness and things like that the people struggling and not be like fuck that's probably one of the first things i should write about uh you know i'm sorry i I just don't care about his problems i guess (laughs) after that yeah i'll leave you with his his final line here which i i thought was kind of ironic which i guess i'll explain a little bit uh he says that he's comforted by the words of one of the great heroes of the 20th century Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote, let your credo be this. Let the lie come into the world. Let it even triumph, but not through me, Uh, which I will say does make him a liberal because that's a uh, motto of just total failure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, everybody's going to win. I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to feel good about the fact that I failed (laughs) at everything. Um, Yeah. but I thought this was a little fitting just because, A, Solzhenitsyn is actually kind of a famous anti-Semite. So pretty funny right there. He also thought yeah. that Jews created communism, um, which, mm, you know, not might lead guy. to some 
some interesting thoughts too about other comments Solzhenitsyn's made, like in his Gulag. So one, David has never read any of this stuff. He's never read Gulag Archipelago, any of the volumes. He's never read Lenin or any of this stuff, right? Uh, but one he of the claims, things he claims act- to be, I mean, on Twitter, he was claiming to be very well read. Yeah, which is what everybody who's never read anything tells you. And uh, the reason why I know that he's never read like Solzhenitsyn is if you've actually read Gulag Archipelago as you're like forced to read a lot of times in college and things like that. One, you're told uh, no Soviet historian, even American Soviet historians, take this seriously. Like this is a guy talking about vibes at best, right? But the other part you learn is that Solzhenitsyn has a lot of weird ideas that if you understand them, make you a little uncomfortable. Like when he talks about how the Vlasov men are the finest Russians he ever knew. And he's constantly talking about them in Gulag Archipelago as being like these great, you know, uh, prisoners who are like, had this injustice done to them in these Soviet Gulags. And for people to understand general Vlasov was a Russian general who once captured by the Nazis immediately was like, uh, I'll be a Nazi general. You yeah. can sign me up. It was used for <laughs> propaganda purposes for the Nazis for most of the war. But towards the end of the war, I mean, this is a very like the South, like trying to create a slave, you know, uh, unit or whatever in like 1864. Right. Like <laughs> towards the end of the war, they were like, uh, we found some Soviet POWs who are willing to join this like, you know, fucking column of traitors under this Vlasov guy. Let's throw that together. Maybe that's something. We'll see what that is. Which, of course, was like this unit that immediately got routed and the Russians predictably just shot all the guys they captured. Right? You know, understandable under the circumstances. Yeah. But it's interesting that Solzhenitsyn sees these guys as somebody that an injustice has been done to. You know? Yeah. And it, and it makes you wonder. It just makes you wonder. Yeah. You know? uh what side was he on on that whole thing right and i gotta say that honestly even though david did it totally accidentally because he just went and like did a a great quotes you know search of alexander solzhenitsyn i actually do think it's fitting that david ended with that because i think david and solzhenitsyn actually have a lot in common you know the only only difference here is i wish david was in prison too (laughs) 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 i wish we could have put david in prison for 10 years but you know (laughs) unfortunately it's not the uh leftist paradise we wish it was it's a land of contrast Uh, i you know yeah they're both like anti-communist bullshit artists um you know that's nice that is perfect (laughs) Yeah, it's nice nice that they're hanging out together. (laughs) All right. Well, David, we hardly knew ye. Um, What do you guys think? So he's he's got himself a a sub stack now. Totally predictable, right? Uh, Do we we think David's got staying power? Predicted. Yeah, predictable and predicted. Yes, exactly. I think we even joked about it on the last week's episode. Of course. Um, Yeah. But I'm going to ask you, and I think we even asked this question last week, but I actually am more, I'm down on my David stock more than ever, actually, after reading this. Uh, how are you guys feeling about your David stock? You think the sub stack's going to make it? I, I'm kind of down on it. Sell, 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 yeah. sell. This is a loser, it's, a zero. <laughs> exactly. Zero sauce, zero juice. This guy's, own, uh, this guy's two friends that are just out of the frame are bailing on him in his own words bro like what 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 the what the hell is that there's no like intellectual dark web coming to his coming to his rescue well, and shit. Mean, like, no, no one gives a fuck about him i barry published it but like barry's but, not like, commenting on it. i don't i don't know that barry even like, did barry boost it. it at all she's like i don't know here she sure open yeah she opened up the yeah game, yeah sure but, like, dude see what see what sticks right <laughs> because this guy he fits the bill because he is playing by the playbook. And that's the thing. The 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 fucking sweat off this guy is like you could smell it, man. Like he is this is a loser, like you said, dude. And he he has or tried to orchestrate this whole thing, and it's just phony. And we love it. It's it's fucking catnip to us, man. It's like crack for me, like reading this guy's shit. Because he's he's a perfectly like risible funny kind of character and he's really stupid and a bad writer but like where you can be all of those things and succeed on the right wing like cancel like you know 
cancel the lect grift machine like you got to have some kind of juice and this guy's just this guy's just a dud man Complete zero. <laughs> no juice, no riz, negative riz, zero <laughs> sauce. He's no baby Gronk. We can all no, agree. No. He is no baby Gronk. He did Gronk. not riz up Blivy, all right? <laughs> he's not the new riz king. I yeah, he's that. not the new riz king. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Moody, I can't tell you. I've seen so much of this. I've made Bread watch so much of it. So she now sends me little baby Gronk jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, is baby Gronk the new riz king <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about uh, just be thankful this is like yeah. this is like lovecraft shit this is like seeing some yeah. horrifying like esoteric work and now we're stuck in it now that we've yeah. seen it right. we can't unsee it you know? I, yeah like see see the face of cthulhu or you know see that woman saying ice cream so good you know like yeah, yeah. take your pick man like the internet will destroy your mind from the inside out like all right okay well uh moving on from our new riz king david velotska no he's not a riz king he's a he's a false king a false prophet uh you know, we have uh, some articles that just came out about housing that might surprise local Yimbies. What? But we can't talk about those articles now. You know, we got to take that and talk about it behind the paywall. If you guys, if you're not currently subscribed, you're not currently on the Patreon, you can subscribe at patreon.com for $5. The The cost of what costs $5 these days? The cost of one half gallon of gasoline at your local Safeway. Sure, once I was young and impulsive, I wore every conceivable pin. Even went to socialist meetings, learned all the old union hymns. Ah, but I've grown older and wiser, and that's why I'm turning you in. So love me, love me, love me, I'm a liberal. 